So the former president of the United States, President Trump, said some odd things in an interview that I'd like to highlight, but I want to start here with the raunchiness of our lawmakers on the Corey Truax Show. We will take a brief and not at all salacious walk through history that leads us to our our day and age of raunchiness, primarily about sexual conduct amongst our leaders, primarily governmental leaders, a brief walk through history to where we are right now that will end with a challenge for us, especially for us Christians, believers, as we interact in politics and government. We'll start there and do a whole lot more on this week's Corey Truax Show. Welcome to it. Wherever you find podcasts, you can find me on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, and threads. Just look for my weird name, Corey Truax. You will find me there. You can also email the show at CoreyTruaxShow at gmail.com. CoreyTruaxShow at gmail.com. You can also find me on Sunday mornings at 1030 at Beachwood Church. I was out last week with me. Uh, my, my wife and I went down to uh, Florida to, well, with some of my siblings as well for her birthday. So admittedly, I should also mention, I haven't listened to any media. I like talking to my wife. We have fun. And so when we fly and travel, we talk. And so I didn't do a lot of podcasting. I don't know if what I'm about to talk about has been covered by everybody else because I'm just coming in cold here with something I saw and thought about. Uh, so if I if this is being covered by others, forgive me, or anything that we do today on the show as well. Uh, what was I going to tell you? Oh, yeah, I get to serve Beachwood Church as their pastor for teaching on, at 1030 on Sunday mornings. You're invited. We would love to have you. Let me walk you through some of my own personal history. I wouldn't put it in the category of core memory, like from the Inside Out movie, the Disney movie. But it was significant in my upbringing that the President of the United States, Bill Clinton, was impeached because we found out he was sexually profligate in the Oval Office of the White House. It had been very well, fairly well established in his campaign in 92 that he had a, a really nasty past, a very, uh, trying to think of a trying to think of words that aren't insulting, but maybe we should just call fornication fornication and just say it this way. He had a slutty past. Bill Clinton's slutty. He had been involved with women that are not his wife sexually. And he took that into the White House with him. And it was it was a very significant memory for me that, yes, he was impeached for lying about it, but ultimately the underlying character flaw was this man is an adulterer. That's the problem. I walked that through to my adult years into college, and I remember a high-ranking member of Congress, Anthony Weiner. His name is obviously very, in this case, really ironic, sending pictures of himself to women to whom he is not married. It was a big moment that he had to go, that we were, we were still going to have the standards that he had to go. And I could just keep walking through name after name, but we, we had some standard that sexuality and ethics around sex mattered. And so, of course, I see people with whom I am largely aligned upset at some things recently. You, by the way, you think you know where this is going, but you do not, you do not I promise. There's the mayor of Burbank, California, who goes to a, some kind of public meeting and to make some kind of statement gets spanked with like a paddleboard or a paddle, by a drag queen in public. It's disgusting and degrading and filthy. We are all outraged. It should be. 
that there's a candidate for state senate in Virginia, a woman who had se- who, who had sex with her husband on tape, apparently on a website. God help us that these websites exist. They need to not exist. They need to be outlawed. Where you can take requests from perverts to then put those acts on tape on the internet to stream to make money to prostitute yourself for money. In this case, prostitute the holiest of sexual acts, the 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 sexual union of man and woman, specifically specifically here, husband and wife, to sell it for dollars. And now she's upset that people know that she did this and her husband did this disgusting, filthy, nasty thing. This really gross thing. It's it is shameful, and we should heap shame on it, and there should be shame felt about it. It's gross. Lord have well, unless he doesn't repent, unless he does repent, then Lord have mercy on him. But that man deserves no mercy for not leading his house differently. I don't care what that that woman does. You don't allow that to happen in your own home, and we're upset about it. And you hear that in my voice. It should be. It's gross. It's disgusting. It dishonors the image of God on those humans. But then, just notice this week. So Christy Noam, the governor of South Dakota, the Republican governor of South Dakota, who just did a big event with Donald Trump out in South Dakota, just find out openly committing adultery, a little euphemism, just openly cheating on her husband. They're apparently, quote, separated. But she's a married woman, just committing adultery openly with Corey Lewandowski, going out on dates, being quite handsy. Which, by the way, listen, there's a level of, let's call it affection, that you show in public. I am, admittedly, in marriage, I'm particularly affectionate. I like having my arm around my wife. I like holding her hand. I like being in contact with my wife. That's great. Also, I'm an adult, and I know how to act in public. And you, you don't, you don't get, in, you don't get intimate in public. And Christy Noam, this grown woman in her early fifties, making out with a man in public. Corey Lewandowski, who was around the former president of the United States, who's apparently quite profligate in his his own adultery. Two adults with children, her with young children. Committing adultery just openly and brazenly in public. Being thought about as a vice presidential candidate for for Donald Trump. Marjorie Taylor Greene is an adulteress several times. Is in leadership. The one that got to me this week. Lauren Boebert is my age. She is my age. I'm not young by any stretch. There's no excuse for us to have... Uh, to have youthful indiscretion as a as an excuse, we know better. She goes to uh, a play in her home state there in Colorado, and the video has now come out, and she's had to apologize because she lied about it first. She lied about what she did first. She's a liar. She's getting. I don't know how to say this. I mean, it's a podcast. I can technically say whatever I want to say. I also want to have the honor of being a Christian man who's not salacious in how I talk. But there's some something beyond handsiness, something beyond fondling or groping going on in public at a play. And she had to be thrown out. It's gross. It's disgusting. 
Here's the word that I landed on. It's raunchy. These people are raunchy. Slow class raunch. Going back to Anthony Weiner all the way to Bill Clinton all the way into this day of Lauren Boebert. Consider how serious. By the way, also Lauren Boebert, adulteress. For all, like, listen, we have been suffering through men in government cheating on their wives, committing adultery my entire life. Heck, we can go back to JFK and we can go before that. Serial adulterers. And the, the ladies are not getting, getting by here. They are. We are led, unquote, the party of family values by adulterous women. And they're the ones that are supposed to save you from the left. The ones that are supposed to save you from the party of public spankings of grown men by drag queens. The party that, the, the people that are supposed to save you from the party of men sending their pictures of their junk to, to young girls on the internet, of the candidates who sell their bodies on the internet, the party that's supposed to save you from them has as very high-profile members, adulteresses, who get felt up in public and who are committing adultery publicly. That's who you got. All alike condemned under God's laws. Under God's law, the adultery committed by everyone I just said would be actually would end in end in their absolute condemnation. Would end in death penalty under the under God's law, because marriage means so much. Their children that are having to recognize that their parents in their forties and fifties are making fools of themselves in public because they're so raunchy and nasty and gross. That's who you're going into battle with. These are, I'll tell you this, those are not my allies. This polit, the political battle of whatever happens over the next several hundred years before we get a good world. And listen, I believe it. I believe we're going to get a good world. The more I think about our government, and I think about the people that I'm supposed to be on my side, the allies I have, this thing's probably going to have to implode on itself and something new restart. Yeah. You know, then I, what I see, what's frustrated me, is people with whom I associate defending the adulteresses of Christy Noam, Marjorie Taylor Greene, Lauren Boebert, defending the adulterer, the serial philanderer that is Corey Lewandowski. And for that matter, I know it upsets some of you, but the thrice-married former president of the United States who ch- cheated on, committed adultery against his third wife with a porn star and then tried to, and had to p- pay her off. The defenses given for these people. And the defenses are ultimately always, well, we got to stop the left. The left will destroy us. We have to stop them. You're going to do it. This is your army. This is your movement. This is who you came up with. And by the way, you're only, you're only going to weaken yourself. You're going to, Lauren Boebert won her last re-election by less than 300 votes. She's going to lose next time. She should step down right now. She should step down right now because she's morally unqualified to lead. She should also step down right now because she's going to lose. All of this public behavior, all of this misalignment between language about family values and then public behavior, it's going to, lo- it's going to result in you losing. And you, you know what you never did? You never beat the left. Because you never gave any... Look, you never gave any power to people of decency. So you will both lose to the left and you will lose your fealty to principle along the way. You know, I, I heard somebody say recently, it's a Christian who I think 
he he does do a good job of seeing the idolatry of American Christians, and I think specifically some of the world that I'm trafficking in now with the post-mill people, some, I don't want to say idolatry, idolatry is a sin, but some of the focus on politics and some of the willingness to to compromise on who you get there, who you who you need to to elect because you just got to stop the left because they're the barbar- they're the barbarians at the gate. And so uh, this guy in response to them said something like you don't need saving from the left, you need saving from worldliness. Well, hold on. Leftism is worldliness. They are leftism is just a subset of worldliness. If if worldliness is things that are anti-kingdom of God, sinful things, leftism is just a subset of it. Leftism hates the things God loves and starts with. Leftism hates masculinity and wants men feminized. Uh, f- leftism hates femininity and wants women to be more masculine. Leftism hates the family, which is the fundamental family, uh, fundamental unit on which all societies are based. They love single parenthood. They love divorce. They, they love to break down all of the things that God loves. That's leftism. And it, it is worldliness. So do we need to be rescued from leftism? Well, only in that we need to be rescued from worldliness in general. But a different worldliness isn't worth using to defeat the left version. If the right version is filled with a bunch of serial adulterers who don't value marriage, who are raunchy, gross people in public, no kind of example to the generation behind them, or I don't know any other way to say this, this may sound mean, terrible parents, and I don't know, how else can you be? You're a terrible parent if you don't love your child's other parent well, and you're cheating on them, committing adultery against them in public, and behaving in ways that people get in trouble for when they're 17. They're not good spouses. They're not good parents. It's a different worldliness. I can't fight one worldliness with another. We, I, I, I think I'll, I will transition with this. When interacting in this political world, there's going to be, I'm sure, some uncomfortable, unnatural alliances made to for, for any given thing. But can we do it all just really clear-eyed? And if we're going to, and listen, I, I think I think this is true of all of them. If we're going to say the the woman who sold her body on the internet in Virginia needs to not be running for Senate. She should be ashamed of herself and never lead anything unless she repents. I'm going to say the same thing about Marla, Mar- Marjorie Taylor Greene and her adultery and divorce, Christy Noem for her public adultery, Lauren Boebert for her just general raunchiness. Every side, around the, just all the way around, all of you should be out. And I'm not, I'm not going to partner with just people who need to, be, who need to not be there because I think the other people are just so bad. Here's how I want to transition that. Ultimately, you become and movements become what they emulate. It is not a coincidence that these people, the Lauren, the Lauren Boberts and the Marjorie Taylor Greens, it is not a coincidence that they have come into power have come into prominence after the former president Donald Trump did. Movements become what they emulate. 
he became what they emulate. And now these are the people that get to get a lot of attention and that we're supposed to be grateful for as weapons against the enemies of that which is right and good. Now, that's what I want to get to, is this, that, that the President of the United States, most former President, President Trump, did a couple interviews recently where we will see, how did we get here? How did we get to this, this place where these leaders are just so, they're not worthy of being called leaders? Well, because they're emulating a particular person with particular values. So let's start with the president talking to, I think this is Megyn Kelly, where he has trouble answering a question that should not be hard to answer. Here you go. Can a man become a woman? Um, <laughs> in my opinion, you have a man, you have a woman. I, 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 think, I think part of it is birth. Can the man give birth? No, no, although they'll come up with some answer. What? What was the um? And then, in your opinion, there's men and women? No, no, just boldly. There are men and women. And birth? That's what, that, that's your understanding of the difference between men and women? Is one can give birth and one can't, and that's, that's it? And then he's actually sort of saying there, eventually science is going to come up with its own womb where we can just make women obsolete, in some way, at least in some way, at least make their wombs obsolete. We won't even need them to give birth. We'll have machines give birth for us. How did you get to a place where your leaders on the right are just raunchy people? Because they're modeling after a very raunchy person. They're, this shouldn't be hard. Transgenderism isn't, isn't hard in that way, to give nice, clear responses. And he wasn't done there. On the same weekend, he had this to say about abortion. Something that we were once clear on. We, we think abortion is the t- taking of innocent human life, but the person that the, the right side of the spectrum has been emulating for almost 10 years now, here's his, here's, here's his real clarion call. Mr. President, I want to give voters who are going to be weighing in on this election yeah. a very clear sense of where I think they'll, stand I on think this. they're all going to like me. I think both sides are going to like me. Let, let me what, but what's let Mr. going President, to have to Mr. happen President, is you're going to have to... Kristen, you're asking me a question. What's going to happen is you're going to come up with a number of weeks or months. You're going to come up with a number that's going to make people happy because 92% of the Democrats don't want to see abortion after a certain period of time. If a federal ban landed on your desk, if you were reelected, would you sign it at 15? Are you talking about a complete ban? A ban at 15 weeks. Well, people, people are starting to think of 15 weeks. That seems to be a number that people are talking about right now. Would you sign that? Uh, uh, I would, I would sit down with both sides and I'd negotiate something and we'll end up with peace on that issue for the first time in 52 years. Uh, I'm not going to say I would or I wouldn't. I mean, DeSantis is willing to sign a five-week and six-week ban. Would you support that? You think I, that I goes think what he far? did is a terrible thing and a terrible mistake. It's a terrible thing to ban abortion after six weeks when a heartbeat is detected. Now, at the beginning there, I can see what he's doing in part. What he is doing in part is saying, uh, if you want to win, you cannot campaign on doing away with abortion. You'll lose. We're, we're finding that right now. I hope my, I hope my pro-life brothers and sisters can see that. That's not a winning position right now, and you you got to find a you got to take what you can get. That's my argument to you. You might just call me 
all kinds of names because I'm not pure enough for you. I'm just telling you practically there's, there's an argument to be made. I think Nikki Haley is making that argument that the states where you can get, get it done, you can get a ban done, ban, ban it. We're going to stop killing children in the womb. And then nationally, if you want to make progress, you're going to have to make it incrementally. Otherwise, you'll never have the power to make progress. I can see he wanted to go there, but then, well, what happens if a state wants to do a six-week ban? Oh, that's terrible. So that when that is your paragon, when that person is how you find out what's right and wrong, you're going to have people like Bobert, Noam, Green pop up. Because they're just following after the leader. Which tells us this, at least for the political side of the world, which right now I'm making sound more important than it is, you need a new leader. You need leaders of higher standards. And we have to be willing to put away leaders when they are doing the wrong thing. When they are bad standard bearers, no matter the consequence, we just say, you're done. You're a bad standard bearer. And we're not going to follow after you. Anymore. I got a couple other things to say about that. I, I mentioned a, a, a minute ago, you know, under under biblical law, some of these figures and all of their adultery, but there would actually be a, a death penalty for them in the old law. And in recent episodes, we've gone back to talk about how, in a, in a general equity type of way, do you bring that concept into into modern day? Because we're obviously not going to be putting people to death for. Adultery And that kind of thing is stuff that we've been talking about a lot on the show lately. Like we have talked about how uh, there, were, there were cases in the Bible where if your, your ox gores somebody or does some damage to, to somebody's property, how we adjudicate making that right. And we've thought about how to bring that into the modern day. Well, I suspect you have not been gored by an ox, and I suspect no ox has interacted with you at all or damaged your property at all, but... Maybe the modern day ox has, and that would be the analog of getting hurt in a car accident or maybe getting hurt at work. Either one of those things, those are those have serious consequences because you come away injured, the bills get severe, the medical bills, you're probably not working, so you're losing wages, and while you're trying to recover, you're trying to navigate, trying to get justice to make it all right. I don't want you to be intimidated by it, don't be scared by it, I want you to reach out to a personal friend of mine who can help. His name is Samuel Harms. You can Google him at Samuel Harms, H-A-R-M-S, as in stay out of harm's way. You can also reach him at 864-666-6666. Samuel Harms, attorney at law. For real, these are things that really do hurt people. I don't want you to do it alone. Get someone on your side to work through what happens next. So reach out to Samuel Harms here in Greenville at 33 Market Point Drive, Greenville, South Carolina, 29607. If you have indeed been gored by the modern-day ox or hurt in a car accident, give Samuel Harms a call. He will help you out. Here's the final thing I think I want to do on the show today, looking at the clock here. Yeah, I'll, do, I'll finish here, and I'll save. I'll say, I have some other stuff on the prep sheet, but I'll save it for next week. And I'll give you a preview. I have found that there's a group of Christians I largely agree with who say American Christianity has become over-feminized. I largely agree with them but I think they've overcorrected, and now they're getting he-man, woman-haters club type feel. Uh, and we need both. We, we need men and women. We need masculinity and femininity. We are out of balance right now, sure, and the American church is probably a little bit too feminine, but I don't want to swing the pendulum, so we'll probably deal with that next week. Let me finish here. I, <laughs> oh, guys, I, just, I had the weirdest experience with uh, a podcast I listened to, 
It's called Radio Lab. It's from WNYC. It's a science podcast from WNYC. So that means it's in Manhattan. So just know it's made by people who think nothing that you think. There's probably not a Christian in the room. There might not be a Christian on the block. There is it's secular as can be. It's anti, anti-biblical values as can be. But most of the time they do science. I take the good stuff. I take the facts. I throw away the other stuff. They're pretty good storytellers. The soundscape is interesting. And so I listen to it regularly. It's episode like once every other week or something like that. They did an episode here recently that blew my mind because I thought I understood the paradigm of an argument and it has shifted under my feet and I didn't know. Maybe you are as old as I am and can remember in 2002, 4, 6, 8, those were the years that states were putting constitutional amendments in their state constitutions to enshrine marriage as one man and one woman. If you were debating on the internet like I was back then, you might recall that the argument, the, there literally was just one argument, was homosexuality is an immutable trait embedded in the genetic code. It is no different than ethnicity. As baked in as your race is your sexuality. You can't help it. So much so that there's a song about it from Lady Gaga called Born This Way. That, baby, I was born this way. And because I am born this way, you can't make any judgment about my behavior. If I was born to desire a thing, it must be good because I was born this way. Now, the argument was bad from the beginning because we, all, we are all born with some pretty bad desires and we temper our desires. We temper our behaviors. Just because I desire something doesn't mean it's good. Just because it's innate in me doesn't mean it's good. There are a lot of things I desire that are bad for me and my neighbor and the entire society around me. Desire is not virtuous. But I thought I knew the argument. The argument was, we have to have equality for our LG fill-in-the-blanks, all those letters, because it's hard-coded. It's genetic, and how could you possibly think differently about somebody for something that's hard-coded? Right? That's the argument. That's what I understood. Guys, they've changed the argument, and I had no idea. Let me play you a clip from Radiolab. Hi, Matt Kilty. Hi, Lulu Miller. <laughs> Let me tell you what I've been thinking about. Um, <laughs> hey, I'm Lulu Miller. This is Radiolab. And a little while ago, our reporter, Matthew Kilty, came to me with the story of an idea. Yeah, the idea that you were born into a sexual orientation. This is or, like the born this way idea? Yeah. Yeah, the born this way idea. Okay. Which... I always believed to be true for much of my life. But in the past few years, that idea felt essentially like uh, under assault and hmm. in these like pretty public ways and ways that were happening on both the right and the left. And so it's like on one hand, you have something like the bill in Florida. Seven, the parents' rights and education bill. They just do a montage here of... Ron DeSantis, and they, they lie about the, the bill that's ultimately about parental rights. Uh, but that the idea here being, um, well, you're not born that way. You can be indoctrinated into it. And so if people on the right are trying to keep their kids from being indoctrinated into uh, b- being gay and into gay lifestyle. So he says that's what the right is doing. It's undermining the idea that you were born this way by keeping it out of schools. But they continue. The foundation of the thing is just this idea that, like, tiny little things in a kid's school environment is going to change them radically. So 
that's going on on the right. Uh-huh. And on the left... So there are many different theories of gender, and mine is just one. In the past several years, you've had these ideas that have become much more mainstream. Ideas like how social norms and cultural values and politics and history, how all these things are maybe the most important thing in shaping your own sense of self and your own sexual preferences. That again, like that it's the environment outside you that is really the thing that is making you. Yeah. Really? <laughs> Do you mean the thing that I was saying as a sophomore in high school, all the way through being a senior in college, that your sexual desires are not genetically hard-coded, but that circumstance and life might influence you towards different predilections. That you are not just hard-coded born this way. You're telling me that the left, now in 2023, is making the argument I made 20 years ago and that I was told I was a horrific bigot for saying? Yeah, is that what you're telling me? I will, and I will. I don't know if this matters, but I will just say here that as a queer lady, uh, married to a lady, someone who identifies as bi, um, and someone who's like read about this stuff and thought about it a fair amount, this is the idea that makes sense to me, that sexuality, that desire, sexuality is shaped by this whole swirl of factors. Like that really makes sense to me. Mm. It pretty much lines up with my experience. Right. And so now the very, very woke woman who is in a, it's not real, it's not real if you are a marriage between a woman and a woman is not a marriage. But she's in something called a marriage that our, our culture has degraded and called a marriage. That's not her experience at all. It was her environment. It was nurture over nature. Are you? Did you know this was the case? Did you know, did you know that in secular woke leftism, that the born this way argument is now offensive? I will finish it here. This is the last little bit I want to play for you. I mean, this... Gentleman Matt Kielty, he's also typical secular woke left person, so he's going to use some of the dumb language that they use. And I think for me, as a cis straight man, um, like I, my identity always felt very consistent, and I just never really had to think about it. And in part, you know, maybe embarrassingly, like I never had to think about it. It was just like I grew up in a world where born this way, the born this way idea was the thing. It was the thing that I thought you were supposed to believe if you were a good ally to gay rights. It was the thing that you use as an argument against the idea of conversion therapy, that you can just take a kid and, like, change their environment and make them into something. Mm. And it was— And then—okay, so you get that. If you're a good person, the good people understand that it's all nature. And what they do over the next—that's, uh, I don't know, a 70-minute episode almost, they establish— what people used to yell at me, yell at me for saying, they establish that sexuality is not determined genetically. That the idea that you were born this way is not rooted in science. That's from a secular, progressive, leftist NPR show. And when I was saying it, when I was 20, I was a bigot. I was a scientific moron for not understanding that it's absolutely... Uh, a, a genetic pre predilection. And here's their argument now. It doesn't matter if I was born this way because there, it, this goes to our paganism. There's no longer an external locus of control. That's the best term for it. The outside of me, objective reality doesn't determine things about me. Only I can determine me. 
I must look inside myself and whatever I find there, after my experiences and after I, I obsess over my feelings, only that can tell me who I am. It doesn't matter the genetics I was born with. My genetics mean nothing. I don't even know what... Ge- this is not Corey talking. This is me giving their perspective. I don't even know what gender I am. There's an infinite number of them. And so if I don't even know what gender I am, I don't know the genders that I'm actually uh, sexually attracted to. My genetics mean nothing. I can only go on an adventure of self-reflection and self-obsession and find out with that type of interrogation what I really am. Yeah, I was frustrated by this because, again, of my, my background. I was told many negative things about me for saying all that. But it was it, it's worth bringing to you so that you know it has come full circle in 20 years. Because the world has gone mad. Secularism has done that. This godless world has gone mad. And that, it, and having turned in on itself, in its own self-obsession, lest the Lord do a miracle in the hearts of men and women, that kind of system can only implode. If we're only looking in on ourselves, only looking in on our lifetimes, and never looking out, those systems fall. And of course they do. We have been given an instruction manual. We know what humankind is for. We know what sexuality is for. We know what attraction is for. We know how to find actual meaning. It's transcendent and and it's external. We've been given the manual, just like someone might give you a manual to build uh, some furniture or a desk you buy. And if you throw out the manual, or actually look at the manual and decide the manual itself is bad, it's morally reprehensible, I can't believe it's trying to restrain me and tell me how to build this furniture. I can't believe it would impose upon me how to build this desk. I will do it myself. And then throw out the manual being angry at it, and then just start trying to tinker around with the little tools and the pieces you've been given. You know what's going to happen to the furniture of the desk? As soon as you put any pressure on it, it will fall in on itself. Unless the Lord do a miracle in this country, I don't see how any other way that it ends. That does not mean doom and gloom for you and your kids. That just means we got to be ready to pick up the pieces when all this insanity comes to its logical ending. I have a couple things I'm leaving out of this show so I can have some content for next week in case nothing else comes up. I would love to get your thoughts, though. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, threads, any of those. Just look for me, Corey Truax, on any of those apps. Let me know your thoughts, reactions to what we've talked about here. You can also reach me at CoreyTruaxShow at gmail.com, CoreyTruaxShow at gmail.com. If you are listening on Spotify, it's a very easy to go ask questions on the show, respond to the poll that I'll post in there, and you can, ha- you can interact that way as well, and I hope that you will. Uh, one final request from me. It's always helpful when you review the show in every app, in any app that you can see it. If you review the show, you rate the show. It helps other people find it. I'll be back with another new edition of the Corey Act Show next week. Until then, everybody, peace and love. <laughs>